0: Welcome to Grind, Grind, Sell, Sell, Elevate, Elevate, with your host, Tizer Evans, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the top minds in all areas of business, entrepreneurship, sales, and leadership. Let's elevate together. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining me on Grind, Sell, and Elevate. This is your host, Tizer Evans, and I'm here with Jr. Butler. Jr., thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me, Tizer. Super excited to chat
0: with you. Yeah, man. So you're a uh, founder of the Shift Group, as we can see right behind us. Um, really love the premise of your company. But if you could uh, introduce who you are and a little bit about what you've been doing.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a former athlete. I, I grew up in a hockey house. Um, my father was a high school hockey coach in Massachusetts for 40 years. And I know you're in, in Texas, but high school hockey in Massachusetts is like high school high school football in Texas. Um, so it was, it was in our DNA, um, played in college and kind of tripped and fell into sales, um, had you know, several years of success as an individual contributor, was fortunate enough to, to land at early at a fast growth startup out of Boston, um, you know, into sales leadership, helped build the company from a million to $200 million, you know, hired and interviewed thousands of people. Um, company sold to IBM for $2 billion. And then I was a chief revenue officer at another technology startup for a couple of years. Um, And honestly, Shift Group was born out of what I've been doing my whole sales career, which is helping athletes from my network. Uh, Both my brothers played college. One of my brothers played in the NHL and the Olympics. Um, So folks that played with my brothers that played for my dad would call me when they retired from hockey and basically be like, JR, you're not that smart. You have made a lot of money and seem to love what you do. Can you help me? Can you help me break into your industry? Um, so I commercialized it. That's that's literally how Ship Group was born. Was trying to make money the way I was spending my 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 weekends and my nights.
0: No, I love it. It makes total sense. And I get one of my closest friends. He's uh, from the Boston area, and he played hockey at St. Mike's up in Vermont. Um, so I, I get a little bit of that influx. You're right. It's I'm actually from California. And you get a little bit of that culture in SoCal, but not 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 quite NorCal. Um, so good for you, Jr. Um, I love the I love the transition in your success in sales. You know, I'm just curious because you see this so often, where you have these sales guys that go in and crush it, just like you did. You know, get into leadership, crush it, grow sales teams, and then eventually go, hey, I've made a lot of money. It's really not about the money anymore. And then they transition to entrepreneurship. So, you know, what what made you want to leave such a you know great paying job, I'm sure, to jump into the void of entrepreneurship? And how's that been for you?
1: Uh it's been hard, right? Um, risk, risk versus reward, uh for sure. I, I would say actually it's funny. I, you know, when people ask me why, I tell them it's because I I like. When you're a sales leader, when you're even at a chief revenue officer, there's still, there's still other people that make decisions, right? Like obviously you have a little bit more influence, you're guiding go to market, you're, you're making decisions, but you're not driving the bus, right? You're, you're maybe sitting shotgun, you know, you're, you're pointing in the right direction, um, but people don't have to go in that direction. Um, and, you know, there's others to blame when things go wrong. And I think it got to the point in my career where I've, I've been in enough boardrooms, I've been around enough chief executive officers where I realized like, you know, one, everybody is just trying to figure it out, right? Any, anybody that's at that level, whether it's a $2 billion company, or a a $2 million company, you know, executives, they're, they're not any, they put their pants on one leg at a time. Right. Like, and I, and I looked at these people and I'm like, they're not any smarter than me. They don't work harder than me. You know, I'm sitting here as a sales leader building enterprise value for other people. I like, and I'm making, and I'm, and I'm helping make the right decisions. And when we don't make the right decision, I can blame someone else. I want to be in the driver's seat. One, Mm. I want to, I'm sick of, complaining to my family and friends about bad decisions other people are making too. So even my family and friends are like, shut up and do it yourself then. And then three, (laughs) is it really for me, it's about building enterprise value for myself, right? Like, you know, that equity, that idea of equity is meaningful to me. I've seen what it can do in my own personal career, even as like a, as a, as a, you know, second tier sales leader. So I know like what the idea of like building true enterprise value in a company could be. And I wanted to do it for myself. Really. That's, that's really what it came down to, honestly.
0: No, Wow. That's a great perspective to have. I'm sure, you know, like you said, a whole new challenge being in the driver's seat, you know, it all falls on you. And yeah, I think that probably your experience as an athlete, you know, a lot of us like that, you know, especially, I always enjoyed the pressure as a player, you know, I said, I didn't compete at your level. Uh, My sport was basketball. Like I was mentioning to you off air. But I always enjoyed that, right? Like, I wanted the ball in my hands. And I'm sure, is that is that kind of where that came from or stemmed from?
1: Yeah, it's 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 about accountability, right, and ownership. Um, you know, I think, you know, basketball and hockey are both team sports. Uh, everyone has a role. And, like, you know, there's a saying in hockey, like, I had my guy, right? Like, um, you know, but at the end of the day, like, when you don't have your guy and something wrong, something bad, bad happens, it is on you, right? So, like, I enjoy like owning it and like really being accountable to the outcomes that I can drive. That's why I got the sales and now that's why I got into entrepreneurship. Now there's nobody for me to point my finger at whatsoever. It's truly my, my, it's my decisions at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How, you know, I love I said I I really love the concept. And so maybe talk us a little bit about your recruitment process as a sales leader and kind of what maybe you're doing it, you know, almost subconsciously. Cause I think that we both, you know, identified uh, doing the same thing just in different parts of the country um, about what you did and what prompted the idea, kind of your experience as a sales leader and then how did the market receive it when you jumped out onto your own? Yeah.
1: I mean, so like when I was a sales leader, um, You know, we we were in Boston at the time when my company, we grew from like a million to $200 million in about seven years, a lot of buzz, a lot of venture capital money, you know, top of every like best places to work list. And being in Boston is like the higher ed kind of center of the universe. So we got a lot of like 4.0 kids from like, you know, Boston College and Harvard University. And I would tell my recruiters like, listen, like personality and intelligence is obviously important in sales. If if someone tells you otherwise, they're lying. But they're not the number one indicators for success. The, the things that tell me if somebody's going to be successful, especially in an entry-level sales role, are things like resiliency. Because you're going to get hung up on a lot and you're going to get told no more than you're going to get told yes, right? Competitiveness, because in your entry-level job, you might not make a lot of money. Really, the only thing that's driving you is getting better every single day, and being better than the people sitting next to you doing the same job. Coach yeah. coachability is critical because you don't know nothing, you don't know anything, right? So if, if I can't give you constructive criticism and it hurts your feelings and you can't take feedback and turn it into improvement, you're gonna struggle. Um obviously work ethic and then of course um having a growth mindset like being being aware that you can turn weaknesses into strengths and that type of thing motivates you. Those are like the things that I looked for when we built a sales team. And the, and the reason I think the market has reacted well to what we're doing, what we're bringing to market is because athletes have all of those intangibles inherently, right? The, the thing I love about you, so you've got kids that play basketball now. My favorite part about youth sports, and I coach youth sports since I was 21, is the kids learn to lose, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. like you know like there's not uh, outside of sports there's not a lot of places nowadays where kids are told that that they're not as good as their peers you know um there's a scoreboard in sports you lose like there's a winner and there's a loser so that's a muscle that you need to work on and athletes have that muscle you know tenfold compared to compared to a lot of their peers um So I think like, you know, from, from my perspective, we, we found, we found that in athletes and that's kind of how we position our offering is like, Hey, we're going to de-risk these five characteristics. And then we're going to guarantee you that the people we put in front of you have a passion for excellence when it comes to the skills, habits, and process, they're going to practice with intention and they're going to pursue goals.
0: Yeah. You hit so many great points. I mean, the learn to lose, I never really conceptualized that to honest, you know, 18 years in sales, and I never thought about that. And the moment you said that, uh, my f- son's first two seasons of basketball, they went undefeated, right, which doesn't mean shit because it's like six to eight. But, <laughs> you know, but I'll tell you, in his mind, he's getting these trophies and he's thinking he's a winner. And then when he stepped into um, AAU, different level, different caliber of kids, he was also used to dominating. He They lost his first game 30-0 he cried all the way home because it was the first time that he really had lost. And now they've lost a lot of games, but he's (laughs) building, he's building that, like you said, that resiliency to understanding what that's like.
1: No, I mean, listen, like the, 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 the wins are great. The undefeated seasons are awesome, but your son is going to get more out of those, those losing seasons, those, those 30 to nothing games. In sports then he then then they're ever going to get out of like you know just winning everything and everything's you know i don't want to be like the old man yelling at clouds right Parti- everybody gets a participation trophy yeah type type of view of the world but in some ways that's kind of what is going on a little bit but but you can't at the end of the day at a certain level in sports that doesn't happen there are winners and there are losers yeah and you you've got to you've got to feel what it's like to lose you got to learn to hate that feeling and you've got to use that like loss and those experiences of losing to push yourself to get better. So you don't feel that way anymore. And I think that's athletes get that every season, every year, over and over and over again. So like, by the time you become like a, a you know, an associate sales rep or a business development rep, and you're making a hundred calls and 99 people ha- don't pick up. And then the one guy picks up and he's a he's a jerk to you and he hangs up on your face. Guess what? Tomorrow, you're coming back with the same vigor and conviction you had the day before, because who cares, right? Like you've done Mm -hmm. it your whole life. It it is what it is, right? So I think that matters more than people give it credit for.
0: No, I, I do as well. And I do agree. And I've kind of roundabout way said it on the podcast before. But I do think that in some regards, we are setting up a lot of these kids for failure, um by being soft on them so to speak you know i don't know a better way to say it uh because you know in business it it is about winning and losing as well and if you can't handle that then that's where you know you're going to have to go find your safe circle and in your conference room and cry it out and you know and i tell you the old school ceos and the c they don't give a shit right and and uh so that's just the reality of what it is you know right or wrong this is what it is um you know, so talk to us a little bit about what was the. I'm just curious, the players reception of you saying, "Hey, you know, this, this is something you need to start thinking about after school, and here's how we might be able to help suit you with a great company based on your skill set."
1: So I think I think the way <clears throat> the way that we position it is like we we talk about like, okay, you're you're done with sports now, right? Um, and and we work with like professional athletes all the way down to like Division three uh, college athletes, but, but no matter what these, these people's identity has been tied up in in themselves as an athlete. Um, and that's a, you know, by the way, like one of the other reasons I started the company is because like the transition for me sucked, like, Mm. you know, every hockey player in the world thinks they're going to play in the NHL. I happen to have a brother that did. So I really thought I could play in the NHL. Um, you know, so when it was gone, it's like one day it's one day, it's your whole identity and one day it's gone completely. And I think one thing that we do well is we relate to that. We own that. We call that out. Like, hey, we get where you are right now, but it's okay. You don't have to lose your identity as an athlete. We have a saying in our training. It's called once an athlete, always an athlete. Mm. So you take that same mentality and that same identity, and you pour all that focus into this new journey. And then we explain to them what the benefits of a sales career are which in 2022 are really important to this next generation of people, which is autonomy, right? Gen Z wants autonomy. They want uh balance. Um, and they like, they all want like work-life balance and autonomy, but they all want to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Um, guess what? Very, you can't be a doctor. Do. You can't be a doctor. You can't be a lawyer and you can't be an investment banker, which are the other places you can go make hundreds of thousands of dollars because you're not going to have balance. And you're not, you know, you're not necessarily going to have a ton of autonomy. Um, but if you want those things and you want to make hundreds of thousands of dollars, this is literally the only career that you can do with all, all of those things, that balance Agreed. between those.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, it's the out of my friends that are in sales, my friends that are not in sales, uh, all of us that are in sales are eating real well. Um, compared to the people that are stuck making sixty, seventy thousand dollars, which is totally fine. Some people they don't want the pressure of it too. I, I get that, but you know, a lot of people say that they want X type of lifestyle, and it's there for the taking. But you know, it's going to come with some sacrifice. Uh, the the last sales job where I had to start over, you know, people thought I was a psychopath, but I took a six figure pay cut to hopefully make three X, X. I take a day off for thirteen months. Every right. day I showed up sick. It didn't matter. I didn't leave early on Fridays. I put in 10 hour days and I got the end result of what I wanted, but it, you know, it, it didn't, that most people aren't willing to do that. Right. Um, yeah. and, and so how, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, talk to us about strategy around that. If I'm a company and I want to hire elite sales squad, because I do think that there's a tremendous amount of waste spent hiring salespeople because I think, and give me your perspective. I could be totally wrong. I think people, in some ways, get super obsessed with like the the character profiles, and they try to flush people out that way, which doesn't always really tell a great story to me, right? Or they look at just the degree, right, and what they've accomplished or a GPA, which doesn't always tell a whole story. So maybe talk to us a little about recruiting strategy.
1: Well, like when I think of recruiting, what you what recruiting is is selling your company, right, and Like, like if I'm gonna buy a product, I I have a certain type of personality that's gonna make me buy a product, right? I want X. So tell me that you do X and I'm gonna buy it. What you see with a lot of companies nowadays, because of like that generational shift in expectations, Mm -hmm. is you have a lot of companies overselling the things that aren't gonna lead to A players, right? Like Mm -hmm. not so much right now because of what we're going through economically. But like literally, you know, back up nine months ago. And if you looked at 90% of job postings and entry level sales, we we saw a lot of like fully remote, we saw a lot of um, work life balance, we saw a lot of really fun culture. Okay, so like, if, if that's what you're selling, those are the types of people that you're going to get, you're going to get the type of people that care about you know, crazy hat Zoom calls on Fridays, um, being able to go get a haircut at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday um, and, you know, maybe having a side hustle. Okay, is that is that what you want to recruit? Like, I, I get that the job market was tough and everybody was competing for talent, but are you just being lazy by overselling those things? Like, in my opinion, like when we were building an organization, we were selling things like, you know, hey, this is a growth and development culture, right? You're going to come here and we're going to make you better. Because if you look at A players, whether they're athletes or third grade teachers or salespeople, the best, the best, most elite human beings always want to get better. So that's what we sold because that's the type of people we wanted. We sold the process of how we made you great. Not not just the outcome that we could drive. I think it's important to sell, you know, the right type of opportunity and potential outcome in terms of W2 equity value, things like that. But selling the process of how we're going to go build this business, um, you know, selling clarity over vagueness. Right. It's like, you know, hey, we want you to come in and like really do it your own way. Uh, like, you know, Tom Brady liked to play for Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick had every single day from preseason to the Super Bowl party in a in a calendar schedule, right? Like, this is what we have to do to be great. So this is what you need to do. So that's what, if if you want to recruit A players, those are the types of things you need to show, right? Like my my father used to say when we were younger, you know, plant tomatoes, get tomatoes. So if you're selling work-life balance, fun, laid back culture, those are the types of candidates you're going to find. And by the way, there's hundreds, if not thousands of companies finding out now that we're not in a not in a boom time, that yeah. those candidates aren't going to stick it out when things get hard.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, right. I mean, what, 2021 was the great resignation. You, you saw that. I think the statistic was 40% of people left for a job that gave them a 10% raise or more right and that's detrimental to a business on so many accounts to lose that many people to to your point um and so you know i really love what you're saying about how to sell them on how to get better right because you're attracting the right type of talent and then giving them a roadmap on actually how to accomplish that maybe can we dive into that a little bit more because i think that that's super powerful
1: yeah yeah i i think um so like the the great teams out there, right? And I'm talking sales teams, sports teams, you know, teams within you know HR departments and companies or finance departments and companies. They they the, there's a there's a playbook, right? Like they are documenting, they're measuring, and they're incentivizing you know excellence across skills, habits, and process. Number one, right? They're 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 giving you an environment where it's like, hey, these are the 3 to 5 skills you need to get really good at these are the habits you need to have and this is the process you need to follow right that so when i say like giving clear guidelines like i'm i'm talking like getting that that down into the weeds of like this is how you need to be great and then you know taking those skills habits and processes and and giving people an environment where they can practice those things with intention to get better And then setting up an environment where there's clear and defined goals and not just like end of the year goals or end of the quarter goals. But like, hey, you know, this is what a good week looks like. This is what a good day looks like. You know, like that's like it sounds crazy and it sounds like kind of opposite of what a lot of people on like LinkedIn are saying. But those companies are feeling the pain of like not recruiting those types of people and not setting up that type of structure. It's hard to um to you know, uh I guess punish people when you haven't set clear guidelines. it's also hard to incentivize people when you don't have clear guidelines and and stick and carrot is the way that the world works, right So if you want to have a stick or you want to have a carrot, you got to have guidelines around those things like a playbook.
0: Yeah, so spot on uh, the last sales team that I had uh, managed before I got back into more of a producer role, was you know one of the things I I knew was that I most sales teams in my analogy fail because they do weekly or biweekly meetings and it's all fluff, right? There's never really alignment. Uh, people feel compartmentalized about how they're contributing to the mission, and uh, so they don't really know what to do. They're not really they're being taught product, but they're not being taught processes, right? Which is very very different. And so each one of my guys, I had 10 sales guys on my team and I had two really good top producers. And so like they knew down to the T every single day, how many calls they had to make per person. Cause it's different. One guy made to make 25, one guy made make 65, how many quotes they had to bring in, how many deals they had to close per week. And then we grew in 2020, 174% in the middle of COVID. And everybody's like, How the fuck you do that? And I'm like, because everybody was completely aligned on mission and we knew tactically what we had to accomplish every single day. And then it's was just simple, you execute. It didn't, yeah. it didn't, it didn't seem very hard, right? Um, so I love that because that's just exactly how I've always always managed. I don't think it's a it's you know, it's a rocket science, it's just a process you gotta follow. Now, you know, people hearing us talk about this are gonna go, hey, I love it. I've never thought about hiring athletes. I've been more of like focused on the work-life balance. And then you're going to get people that, you know, work-life balance type people, which, you know, again, I'm not saying you shouldn't take vacations. I know you're not saying that either, no. but that are that are focused more on the end goal results and improvement. So talk to us about the results that you've seen from companies who have adopted this strategy.
1: Yeah. I mean, you see, you know, the things that you're seeing are one is it's, it's building a team culture, right? Because, We're talking about here, although simple, is not easy, right? And when a group of people are doing something together that's really hard, you start to see people come together and start to support each other. So, automatically, this type of approach creates a team culture that a normal, you know, have you know, crazy, crazy hat day on Fridays that's that's not culture, you know, (laughs) that's just crazy hat days on Friday, like that's not. So like it it truly creates a team culture. Um, it it creates this idea that, hey, if we're all if we're all getting better, we're all going to help each other get better, right? Like there's it's like it's like in in sports, right? Uh, you know if you if you're playing for the person next to you, it's a lot different than just playing for yourself. Um, and I think when you do hard things together, that happens. Um, I think the other thing that that will you'll you'll find is there's there people will take ownership and accountability because you've laid out clear guidelines. Mm -hmm. So when you lay out clear guidelines and people don't follow them, it's, it's hard for them to blame any, anything else, but the fact that they didn't, they didn't follow the playbook. Um, And, and, and I just think I, anytime I've done this, I've seen a much higher percentage of achievement across the entire organization, which is at the end of the day, that's what your job is as a sales leader is to get as much quota attainment as you possibly can across your entire organization.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And from an accountability uh, perspective, just you as a sales leader, I'm just curious, you know, how, how do you measure the results? Do you think they should be done? Because I see a lot of companies too. they just like, uh, almost to your point, here's the goal. Let's go get it. And then at the end of the year, they're kind of like WTF, we're going to fall 50% short. So is it like monthly measurements, weekly measurements, quarterly? I mean, maybe it's per industry, but wh- wh- where do you stand on that?
1: Well, in in like early early career salespeople, I think it's I think it's weekly, and I and I don't think it's just about the outcomes that that you're measuring and that you're you're giving feedback on. I think, you know, when people are early in their career, there's also they should also have goals around skills that they're that they're getting better at, and you should be measuring that on a weekly basis. We had a, you know, in in tech sales, there's like a business development rep and their job is just a prospect and then account executives will maybe do demos and run sales cycles but with our bdrs every single week we're doing a demo competition even though a bdr is not going to do a demo until a year into their career if we're if we're if we're measuring how good they're getting over time in these short windows that's giving them some some fulfillment that they're otherwise they're just going to be sitting around making cold calls for 365 days waiting to get a promotion Right. So it's 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 cutting up those those uh, goals, not into just outcomes, but into other things that lead to outcomes like behaviors and skills and habits, measuring those behaviors, skills and habits and showing them improvement over time, showing them how they're getting better. And then making sure you always got to say the why, like, hey, this is why learning how to do the demo matters. This is why this is why hitting this daily call number matters. This is why we do this, right? So, like, you always got to pepper that "why" in there too. Um, but I think it makes a huge difference, just with with like job fulfillment and like the way you're spending your time on a weekly basis.
0: Agreed. Great perspective. Uh, when it comes to sales training, kind of the same line of questioning. So maybe we take um, more of like the account management role, um, you know, or sales rep in my industry. You know, how often should a manager be really kind of horning into that person from a skill set? Because again, I think managers, what I've seen is like they, they, they know their product inside and out, which doesn't translate to sales at all. Right. So when we talk about tactical skills, you know, how often do you think that that should be happening? What have you seen in success? Yeah. I mean, I think
1: like, uh, you know, I think when you first take over a, a team or your a new rep is underneath you, um, you want to kind of let them operate on their own a little bit and like, you know, shadow them with some some calls, some deals, you know, start to measure the outcomes that they're driving, whether that's like, you know, converting to a second meeting or a third meeting, moving to whatever the next stage is in the sales cycle, and then identifying areas where they're weak, uh, where they need help. And then kind of like asking them, like, hey, you know, we're seeing a low conversion rate from second meeting to third meeting. You know, what do you think? What do you think is off here? Like, hopefully, the rep can come to the realization like, um, I i don't think I'm doing a good job qualifying in the second meeting. Mm-hmm. And I need to do a better job of really like dragging the customer through their pain a little bit. It's like, okay, I, I agree with you. How, how do we want to get better at this skill? Why don't we do a role play every single week? So it's like, let them fail a little bit. Try to get them to see where they're failing. If they don't see it, you have to tell them, and then you have to put a plan together with them to say, "Okay, this is how we're going to stop failing in this area that we're failing a lot in." That's that's where I had the most success.
0: Yeah, I love the the power of asking questions because you're allowing them to empower themselves and correct themselves. I think that's a it's a beautiful way to manage. Kind of kind of pivoting uh, Jr. back to your company, so. How, how to, if I, if I'm saying it, love it, I'm love everything I'm hearing and I'm a company, I, I, I want to hire great salespeople because, you know, like you said, we're not, I, my estimation, I don't think we're getting out of this shit for probably three to five years. So, yeah. you know, um, I, I'm going to need elite people, right. Yeah. I, I'm going to need people that want to grow and that want to grow me. So how do they work with you? And then how do they work with the athletes? How does that all kind of come together as magic?
1: Yeah so um the, they can find us on our website but but ultimately the way that we work with hiring companies is we actually have a portal that they log into and they see all our athletes on a leaderboard so our athletes go through like a 3 week boot camp they take a test on the 6 key skills of entry level sales cold calls account research cold emails discovery sales tools and operational excellence they get tested on it at the end they get 18 scores And they end up like literally on a leaderboard, just like in sports and companies. We give companies free access to our leaderboard. They can they can watch game tape on a candidate, just like in sports. They can watch them do a mock cold call, watch them do a mock discovery call. And then if they want to interview them, they let us know. We connect them with the athlete. And then uh, we only charge companies if they hire our candidates and our candidates make it through through one quarter. So we charge a percentage of their first year base salary. So, we're, like our our actual business is a staffing and recruiting agency. Mm-hmm. It's just we're taking a different we're taking a different view on it. We're we're focusing on one part of the population. We're training them, and we're giving hiring companies a very very transparent view of the of the candidate before they ever interview them. That's how they work with us.
0: Yeah, beautiful. No, I love I love the niche down approach, and you know, and I said I think it is important uh, because the I feel like athletes do struggle. You spend your whole life training to get to this outcome that very few people, as you know, like your brother, very few people accomplish in the world. And, and so um I think it's a beautiful landing pad uh, to be able to have those skills transfer to make you know really meaningful money. You know, um you know making life changing money in sales. I mean, shit, you know, you start you get some of these tech jobs you make half million, dollars million, like you can make crazy money uh just like you would as an athlete.
1: 100 percent Absolutely. I my brother played in the NHL for five years. And I promise you he wishes he got into venture backed software.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good. Uh JR, so where what's where can people find you and uh the site?
1: Yeah, it's uh
0: wwshiftgroup.io.
1: Um and they can find me on LinkedIn, just Jr Butler. Um, I'm a I'm I'm a pretty I'm a pretty funny LinkedIn follow. I, I tend to I tend to not pull any punches when, when, I, when someone posts something that I don't agree with. And if you can tell by how I'm talking, there's a lot of stuff out there that I don't agree with. So if you're, if you're in for a good laugh, I'm, I promise I'm a good follow on LinkedIn.
0: Not right, good. Well, I'll make sure that I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that we're connected, but I would definitely uh, double check that um, and get more on that content. Cause I'm saying I'm direct, transparent. It's all good, but everybody listening um, I will have a uh, JR's uh, links posted in the show notes below. If you're watching us on YouTube, same thing, be right in the show notes below. So just scroll down, hit the link, connect with them. I encourage you, if you're looking for great salespeople, I can't emphasize enough um, what we're going through right now. It's going to be really, really bumpy. And if you're going to want to grow your business or just even keep it flat, you're going to need the most elite people possible to keep driving revenue for you. So JR, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Tizer. Great to meet you.